And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. Staple self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a Western adventure of Have Gun, Will Travel. Then it's part one of a classic radio comedy edition of The Great Gildersleeve starring Hal Perry. With me to help present these radio shows is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's Hi, up, Carl. Lisa? Hi, Carl. How you doing? Doing well? I'm great. Yes, yeah. I'm great. Your father, Mr. Matanki, he would enjoy what we're going to play on this edition of Hollywood 360. You know that, he right? He is a fan of the Westerns, and I think he's listening right really? now. Really? Yep. Hi, Mr. Matanki. Yep. You did a good job here with Lisa Wolf here. No, uh, Lisa Matanki, yeah, who then so. became Lisa Wolf, no E. You're, this is a lot of information. So what's happening in the world of Hollywood? Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are joining forces with Verizon. These guys just cannot they, uh, do anything apart. They like to do things together, right? You're like that. You've got a best buddy that yes, you always course. do things this with. This is true. Not only are they working together, but they are always working. That's the bottom line. Right. So they are joining forces with Verizon for a reality show called The Runner. Okay. Okay. So this is 16 years after they first pitched the concept. So, you know, this is a long time in coming. What? Yes. This they is... pitched this 16 years ago to someone? Yes. This series, The yes. Runner. And it's and, and it took these two guys 16 years to get this on the That's air. That's what I read. The power of Ben Affleck... You know, maybe it needed to get to the place where it's at now, but this is a reality competition series finally coming to fruition, okay? And this is going to be on Verizon's recently launched free video platform called Go90. Okay. Okay. So here's how it works. You have a, um, the top prize on this is a $1 million. So you might want to consider being on the show. Yeah. You could use that kind of money. Okay. So one person is chosen as the runner. And this person attempts to make it across the U.S. unnoticed over the course of 30 days while following clues about his or her itinerary. And they have certain mandated checkpoints that they have right. to stop at. Do you need um, Do you need to be good at running to be on this, or do you need yes. to have, you have cardio? To, you have good to wear, cardiovascular. You have to wear Nike gym shoes, and oh, okay. you have to, you know, you have to right. really. That's not go. me. I'm not too no. good of a runner. At the same time, ping pong though. Ping pong is your game. Okay. Okay. We've got eight two-person teams called Chasers. They are. I can see why this show didn't get on right away. It's kind of complicated. You've kind of lost me I now. Lost you got you runners. Ready. You got chasers. All right, we got the chasers with the mobile They're devices. They're playing ping pong. They receive clues. They play ping pong. They wear their Nike shoes. Then they get a million dollars if they Anyways, win. Anyways, yeah, all right. So it's very they, complicated. All right, so people at home play along with them. On the oh Go 90 God. in real time, it's way I don't have Go 90. Right. I don't and have Verizon. So it's really so, no good for oh you. Oh man, I'm. Really All right. lost. So it's really over for right. you. But if it's something you're interested in, maybe you go out and get Verizon. Right, it ran right past me. 
Okay, well, right. that's what's coming okay, up. You well, get Verizon, but I you can do watch like the Ben runner. Affleck and Matt Damon. I'm not dissing the series. And I did. They're that. good. I like those two guys. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll hear more but, about this uh, as the series uh, begins. You know, they should call the show The Walker. Then maybe I, you know, I could follow that. But for what, the old it's just folks, just so fast. It's just running right. You know, the world is just running right by you. I Carl. can't. I don't think I can watch that. All right, I hear you. It's time now for Have Gun Will Travel. It began as a television show in 1957. And then spawned a successful radio version a year later in 1958. The series followed the adventures of Paladin, a gentleman gunfighter played on television by Richard Boone and on radio by John Daner. Paladin preferred to settle problems without violence, yet when forced to fight, he excelled. Paladin lived in the swank Hotel Carlton in San Francisco, where he dressed in formal attire, ate gourmet food, and frequented the opera. But when working, he dressed Lisa all in black, carried a Derringer under his belt, used calling cards with a chestnut emblem, and wore a Western-style black gun belt and the same chestnut symbol attached to the holster. The knight symbol referred to his occupation as a champion for hire. Paladin charged steep fees for his services, and it was well worth the price. His primary weapon was a custom-made 45 caliber Colt single action army revolver and he used it with deadly accuracy. Have Gun Will Travel was a fan favorite seen until 1963 and heard on radio until 1960. You will love this and I know Mr. Matanke will. This is called the Winchester Quarantine. It's from February 22nd, 1959. Here's part one now of Have Gun Will Travel. If you men want me to leave, You'll have to make me. I was going to be the first to try. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875. The Carlton Hotel. Headquarters of a man called Paladin. Hey, boy. Oh, yes, oh, Mr. Paladin. Help me with these bags, will you? Oh, yes, Mr. Paladin. Oh, are you go again so soon? It seems Mr. Edgar Potts in Tucson needs my services. Oh, yes, sir. I know Mr. Potts. He is not a good man, but he's a rich one. Oh, you make uh, lots of money, eh, Mr. Paladin? Well, that's my plan. Uh, look, hey, boy, this came up very suddenly. I've had to cancel my engagements for this week. Will you see that these notes are delivered? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, let me see. Uh, Missy Lily Clark, Kitty O'Connor, Adelaide Smith, Jesse Donahue, Francesca Valise, Mabel Hart, and Major John B. Culpepper. Thursdays, I play chess. Glass of rye, bartender. Yes, sir. in on the stage? Yeah. Figure to stay a while in Brotherton? No, as soon as they get that axle fixed, I'm going on to Tucson. Where are you from? San Francisco. Great little town, Frisco. Yeah. Noisy in Brotherton. What's going on? Well, now, wait till I get around there. We'll just go have a look-see. Hey, 
Rewind, the engine. We told you it was going to happen. Now, you listen to me. You get rid of every head of that disease stock on your place, engine. Well, we'll do more than keep you within your boundaries. We'll burn you out. That's right. Outside in the air. I guess it ain't nothing. Might as well go back and finish your drink. He shot that engine's horse. Now, you take yeah. that carcass away and burn it. There's sickness enough without you savages bringing in more. Come on, Petey. Who are those men? The one on the big roans, McNally. The other's Peavy, his foreman. And the Indian? Joe Whitehorse. He's got a little ranch, borders on McNally's spread. I see. He's an educated Indian. They're the worst kind. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Well, why did he kill this horse? Rough him up like that? I don't know. It ain't my problem, mister. Where's the livery stable? North end of town. White horse? Yes? My name is Paladin. This is my card. Have gun, will travel. I see. Thank you, Mr. Paladin. Not interested? If I had money to hire you, I wouldn't be hiking 20 miles carrying this saddle. I would have another horse. I happen to be going your way. Why don't you put your saddle over this other horse of mine? No obligation. It is right to tell you, even if I had money, I would not hire you. I don't hold with men who follow the gun. I agree, Mr. Whitehorse. It's not a practical business, but 20 miles is a long walk. And this is a heavy saddle. I accept your kind offer, Mr. Paladin. Hundred and fifty prime healthy cows. Now ten are dead. The rest ready to fall. They keep losing weight, dying. Has a veterinary looked at them? I can't get him to come out and look. I am a mission Indian, educated Indian. I have few friends among my own people and fewer among yours. Yes, I saw an example of that back there in Brotherton. They don't want me in that town. I can't trade in the stores. I buy supplies through the man who runs the pharmacy. The only one who will admit that we are human. Wait, rein up, Mr. Paladin. There. There ahead. My land. Looks like land a man would fight for. I paid for that land I'm willing to fight. I don't know how. My father wore feathers in his hair. He lived in Etipi. He was at war with a white man. Fighting for his way of life. When he saw he could never win, it broke his spirit, but it made him wiser. He sent me to the mission school. Learned to live and think like a white man. He said that was the only way we could have a home in our land. Three riders. You know who it is? Wait. Phoebe uh, and two of his hands. The one who killed my horse. Yeah. See, so you got yourself another horse. The one you shot cost me $40. You have to pay me for that. You? You friends with him or just passing through? 
You ask that like a man hoping for the wrong answer. You working for an Indian? He hasn't hired me yet. You're half a mile from his boundary line. You aim to keep going? I thought I might. It ain't that simple, mister. You can ride in on that horse, but you try to ride out and he'll go down with a slug in his head. No animal comes off in that ranch. Yours are nobody's. Mr. Paladin, he means what he says. You saw that in town. You're going to lose two good horses. I walk the rest of the way. You'll ride. You've used my horse for 15 miles, and I expect the man who's done that to rub him down and ask me to sit at table. You will be most welcome. All right, then. Ride on in. But you'll be sorry. More coffee? Oh, yes. Please, Mrs. Whitehorse. So, you are a gunfighter, Mr. Paladin. Well, Mrs. Whitehorse, uh, I have a certain talent with weapons. When people in trouble need such a talent, I hire it out to them. I see. Is uh, a gunfighter expensive, Mr. Paladin? I have expensive tastes. Joseph, Mm -hmm. I like my home. I want to stay here. I think all we need right now is time. Every day more stock dying? Quarantine around me that means I must sneak off my own land like a But with time, Joseph, we can find out what is sickening our cattle. We can build a healthy herd. Joseph... If Mr. Paladin can scare them into leaving us alone... I will not have that kind of thing, Martha. But we must do something. Mr. Paladin, we do not have any money to pay you. But this is rich land. We will give you a part of it. If you will fight for your part. And for ours. I'll talk with these men. In the meantime, thanks for your hospitality. It was our pleasure. I'll walk out with you. Take care, Mr. Paladin. McNally is a violent man. You told P.V. he'd have to pay you for that horse he shot. I don't mind taking over the debt. I'll trade you the horse you came home on. Ah, that's a good horse. You cheat yourself. Well, maybe I'll get P.V. to throw in something else of value. Mr. Paladin. Perhaps you won't understand... Men differ. What do you mean? When I walk out of my house onto my own land, it gives me a good feeling. I love this place. It has given me pain. But there, there is something... This, this is mine. This handful of earth here. This is mine. Certainly. It's just like a... Wait. Hmm? Your handful of earth there. Where? Here. Put it in this handkerchief. Here, in the handkerchief. Hmm. Uh, Good. I don't understand. (laughs) Strange man, Mr. Paladin. That's right, and I just had a strange notion. I'll see you again, Mr. Whitehorse. (laughs) 
boundary of the White Horse Ranch, I dismounted to close the fence gate. The first rifle shot came high to my right. The second shot killed my horse. Both of them had come from somewhere in the brush behind me. I had an idea who had fired them, and I had to score to settle with <laughs> Sure looks like you're afoot, don't it? You did that shooting? This is Indian boundary. That's a bad habit you have, PV, killing horses. I warned you. I remember. Now I'll use your horse to take me into town. You lay a finger on that bridle, you engine. Look! You can tell McNally what happened. He'll find me in town. this the only pharmacy in town? Oh, uh, yes. My name's Reinhardt. What can I do for you? Do you know the White Horses? Oh, you mean our thieving, scalping, over-educated local Indian? I do. Oh, and before you say your piece, let me inform you that this is the only store in town that'll do business with them. And proud to say it. Now, what's on your mind? Are you set up to make a chemical analysis, Mr. Reinhardt? Chemical analysis? Son, I've got the most complete laboratory south of San Francisco, back there just gathering dust. <laughs> Where is there a place for science in a town where they bury a chicken head by the light of the moon to get rid of warts? Let me tell you something, mister. McNally, he tells the citizens how to think. And speaking of the devil... Uh, McNally? He's probably looking for me. Oh, what for? Here, uh, take this. What in tarnation do you want me to do with a clod of dirt? Now, we're only supposing, Mr. Reinhardt. Run a test on this, and I'll talk to you later. Okay, but it don't make any sense. Gentlemen, you pistol up my foreman and steal his horse? I disciplined your foreman, Mr. McNally. As to the horse, Peavy owed Joe Whitehorse for the one he shot. I took over the debt and settled it. You working for Whitehorse? kind of men are we breeding that takes wages from an engine? I couldn't get a dollar out of him. He doesn't have one. That's why I'm here. If you're not with the engine, what's on your mind? I want to be hired. We're doing all right. You're wasting your time trying to starve White Horse out. You don't have to starve. I offered to buy his place. At a profit? I offered him $10,000. Why are you so anxious to own his land? His land's good, and there's water, and I don't aim to raise my children next to some savage. Besides, he's aiming to let that cattle sickness spread over the whole range, wipe us all out on account of he hates us so. Mm. Perhaps I can persuade him to sell. How? His willingness will increase in ratio to the size of my fee. How willing do you want him to be? All right, you're hired. Get on out to his place. First, you go to the bank and draw some money. I think White Horse would want to be paid off in cash. That's a lot to trust you with. Well, then you carry it. And carry an additional 2000 Mr. McNally. My fee. 2000 How much money do you think I have? How much do you hate Indians? I have some business in the pharmacy here. And I'll see you at the White Horse Ranch. He's waiting outside there, Mr. Whitehorse. 
You've already overtaxed his patience. You didn't understand me, Mr. Paladin. I won't sell. You can do a lot with that cash. I won't be pushed off my land. I stay here. I told McNally you'd sell. Then you'd tell him you were mistaken. And lose my fee. Why do you ask my husband to do this thing? Because it's my considered opinion he should sell to McNally. And if it is not my opinion, if I say I stand up to that gun of yours... I think that would make everything very uncomfortable. We ask only to live in peace, to have a home to build for ourselves and for those who come after, and you... You are no better than the others. Martha, <laughs> should not have done that no matter what. Forgive her, Mr. Paladin. Martha carries our first child. She is upset. What kind of a world have we to offer our child? Sign it, Joseph. Sign the paper. Here is ink, a pen. Give them their bill of sale. We will find some place to live in peace. Uh Yeah. You have earned your money. I'll tell McNally he can come in and take possession. One day you will meet a gun faster than yours. That's probably true, Mrs. Whitehorse. All right, McNally. All set, huh? All set. Yeah, I got no respect for critters. Knows he ain't wanted, but hangs on anyway. In old days he'd be long gone by now. You've made your point, Mr. McNally. Here is your bill of sale, McNally. It is your ranch now. And you got the money? That does it. Not quite. Let's not forget $2,000. Oh, sure. See me in town. I see you now, McNally. Oh. Oh, well. Yeah. Thank you. White horse, learn something from this business. You Indians have reservation all over the country. That's where you belong. Mr. McNally is a man of deep prejudices. And not soft about him, neither. Ooh, anything but soft. If it hadn't been for your sickly stock, he'd have found another reason to starve you out. He did not starve us out. It was your gun that drove us off our land. My gun did you a favor, Mrs. Whitehorse. This land is useless. It's poisoned. Don't try to pass your cows here, McNally. They'll die. I'll get rid of that disease. I'll burn everything down to the dirt. But you can't burn the dirt, and that's where the poison is. You're crazy. I had the soil analyzed. It contains a certain element that affects all vegetation. It's called molybdenum, if you want to investigate it. On my land? McNally's land. I remember that I'd seen this cattle sickness once before down on the San Joaquin Range. So you knew this? Suspected it. Mr. Reinhardt verified it. If this is true... It's true. But then I cannot keep this money. Oh, yes, you can. You dirty lion cheat. Good day, Mr. McNally. Hmm. Indian lover. Mr. Paladin. I'm sorry I had to do it this way, but it's difficult to conspire with an honest man. Mrs. Whitehorse, I want to leave this fee for Mr. McNally as a. Gift for your child who is yet to be born. That is a 
great deal of money, Mr. Paladin. I cannot take it. Oh, please accept it. For your child, with my apologies for this imperfect world we have to offer him. And my hopes for a better one in his lifetime. Thank you, Mr. Paladin. That's the first portion of Have Gone. We'll travel with Winchester Quarantine starring John Daner as Paladin. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. I'm Maureen Kelly, licensed medical esthetician. Many of my clients ask what all-natural product they can use to treat skin problems such as dry, itchy skin, eczema, burns, rashes, sunburn, cracked skin, flaky skin, and even shingles. I always recommend all-natural Epizen. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Use code RADIO to get $10 off with free shipping by going to epizen.com. That's E-P-I-Z-Y-N.com. Or call toll-free 844-Z-I-N-C for us. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Lisa, do you know anyone that has a kitty cat? I sure do. Would they like to uh, win a year's supply of cats, pride, kitty litter? They sure would. Well, they should uh, know about this uh, drawing that we have every single month here on Hollywood 360. You're going to tell us about it? Yeah, I'll tell you about it, and then you tell our listeners about it, and then our listeners should tell their listeners. I think I should say it, and then you can repeat everything I say. Do our listeners have other listeners? Probably, right? Our listeners have people that listen to them. I hope so. Sort of like a telephone game. I you think know? so. So uh, here's the deal, folks. You and your friends, uh, family, and people that listen to you could win a year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter. It's not that hard to do. Just send us what, Lisa? A photo of you and your cat with your name, your cat's name, city, and state. Send it to catspridephoto at gmail.com. Do it quickly. We will be uh, choosing a winner at the end of the month. The CEO of uh, Cat's Pride Kitty Litter will be here to choose one lucky winner to win an entire year's supply of the best kitty litter on the market, Cat's Pride. So don't wait. Send in your picture Right away, catspridephoto at gmail.com. All right, and Mike Estella posts these on our Hollywood 360 Facebook page. It's a uh, random drawing. Just send in your picture, and Dan Jaffe, the CEO, will pick one winner. We do this every month, so you can enter every single month. If you don't win this month, enter again next month. All right, let's get back now to uh, the conclusion of Have Gun, Will Travel. Oh, Mr. Paladin, welcome. Hello, hey boy. Did you serve the most unworthy but very rich Mr. Potts? Uh, no, I was delayed, and when I got to Tucson, Mr. Potts was dead. His wife shot him. Oh, then you don't make lots of money. Your whole trip be wasted, eh? Too bad. Not at all, hey boy. On the contrary, I found it quite rewarding. Oh, ah... Uh... You have someone wait for you upstairs in room. Ooh, well now. Yes, uh, Major John B. Culpepper. It's Thursday. Remember? Have gun. Will travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and stars John Daner as Paladin with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Herb Meadow and adapted for radio by Ann Dowd. 
Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Harry Bartell, Lillian Byam, Joseph Kearns, Edgar Barrier, and Barney Phillips. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel. And that's Have Gun, Will Travel from February 22nd, 1959, with Winchester Quarantine starring John Daner as Paladin, as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. I want to remind our listeners that we have a website. It's called Hollywood360radio.com. We have a podcast on that website that has all four hours of our show every single week. We also put a bonus hour of classic radio on there. Many of our stations carry the full four hours of our program. Some do not. And if you uh, miss any of the program, you can hear it on our podcast. We post it there every Monday, the Monday after our broadcast. So go to Hollywood360radio.com for the entire podcast of the full four hours plus a bonus hour and all kinds of other fun stuff, including a store that has thousands, literally thousands of classic radio shows available via digital download and CD. Okay, it's time for The Great Gildersleeve. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve was a very popular character appearing each week on the Fibber McGee and Molly radio show. And on August 31st, 1941, Gildersleeve landed his own situation comedy show, The Great Gildersleeve, becoming radio's first spinoff. Gildersleeve moved from the town of Wistful Vista to Summerfield, where he served as the town's water commissioner and raised his orphan niece Marjorie and nephew Leroy. The household also included a cook named Bertie. The Great Gildersleeve was the first show to be centered on a single parent balancing, raising children, work, and a social life accomplished with great taste and genuine wit. Radio veteran Hal Perry originated the role of Gildersleeve, but left the series at the height of its popularity in 1950, giving way to Perry's sound-alike and well-known character actor Willard Waterman. Waterman continued in the radio role until 1957 and also played the great Gildersleeve in a TV version syndicated in 1955. All right, time now for a comedy episode of The Great Gildersleeve. This stars Hal Perry as Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. It's called Who's Engaged to Who? This is January 14, 1945's edition of The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you The Great Gildersleeve every week at this time. Written by John Whedon and Sam Moore with music by Claude Swayton. Now let's join The Great Gildersleeve, who still has a breach of promise suit dangling over his head. In addition, he's just sent off a check to the Department of Internal Revenue, so he's feeling doubly depressed. We find him now sitting glumly in his parlor, chewing a cigar as Bertie enters. <laughs> Lunch nearly ready, Bertie? Yes, sir. I just thought I'd straighten up the living room a little. Oh, well, don't pick up those comic books, Bertie. Just leave them on the floor. They've been there all morning, Mr. Gilsey. I know. Leroy skipped out early. But if you don't leave them for him to pick up, how is he ever going to learn? I've been trying that system for quite a while now, but he don't seem to catch on. Yeah, well, I'll speak to him when he comes in. Just leave everything as is. The skates, too? Skates, too. I don't understand that boy. He seems to have the instincts of a pig. He's just a boy, Mr. Gilsleeve. You've got to expect him to act like a pig for a few more years. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of his little friends, too. Tell him to go away, Bertie. Yes, I'll get rid of him. Leroy, Leroy! Oh, excuse me, Judge. Morning, Bertie. 
Gildersleeve in? Yes, he is, Judge, but he's seen any kind of me. Well, I gotta see him anyway. Morning, Throckmorton. Hello, Judge. Take off your coat. Have a chair. Thank you. Well, have you done anything? Well, yes and no. I did a little reading up on breach of promise last night. Oh, that's nice. Did you find out anything? Well, I found one thing, but they... That dirty guy! <laughs> you dirty guy! Leroy, what's the matter? Oh, he's got a bloody nose. That's what's the matter. He's a dirty guy! <laughs> you got a handkerchief, Judge? You got one? Come here, Leroy. Wipe your nose. Oh, kill that dirty guy! <laughs> Try not to dribble on the rug, my boy. <laughs> Okay. Now, I've told you not to get into fights, young man. Who beat you up? Nobody. It was a crime. <laughs> what were you fighting about? About you. About me? Yeah, I was sticking up for you. Well, I appreciate your loyalty, my boy, but I can fight my own battles. You weren't there. I had to do it. Huh? <laughs> Explain yourself, please. Who were you fighting with? Whitey White. The dentist boy. Oh, yes. What was the exact cause of the quarrel? He said you were an old chicken chaser. <laughs> oh, he did, eh? <laughs> and how'd you like a punch in the nose, you old goat? <laughs> Sorry, Gildy. Proceed with the case. Yes, yes. Leroy, I deplore fighting, as you know. Still, in this instance, I think you had good grounds. I've never gone out of my way to seek the society of any woman. I have never been involved with any woman, and I don't intend to be. What a character. <laughs> I don't care for that expression, either. Now, pick up your comic books and skates. Okay. And not now. I'm busy. Okay. Can I have a sandwich? No. Spoil your lunch. Okay. Uh, here's your handkerchief, Unc. You may keep it, Leroy. Better go upstairs and wash your face a little bit. Lunch will be ready soon. Okay. Gosh, I don't see why I have to start to death around here. Yes. Fine boy, Throckmorton. Why don't you let the little fella have a sandwich? When I want advice on raising the little fellow from you, I'll ask for it, Judge, and pay for it. Let's stick to the law. Well... Now, there's one thing, Gildy. I'm convinced that if we had any kind of a defense, Del Rey's lawyer would drop the case in a minute. Well, tell him we're going to fight. He'll drop it. Oh, no, no. He'll think we're bluffing. He won't give up unless I can show him we have a case. All right. Dig up a case. Well, I found one sort of a defense, only we can't use it. Huh? If you could prove that at the time you allegedly proposed marriage to Dolores Del Rey, you were engaged to another woman... What do you mean? Well, if you were pledged to another and Miss Del Rey knew it, she has no case. By George. Uh, Horace, hmm? did I ever tell you that Eve Goodwin and I were engaged to be married? Of course, you told everybody. Did I ever tell you we'd broken off our engagement? Well, no, but I understood. Never mind what you understood. Eve Goodwin and I are engaged. We always have been and we always will be. Gildy, I don't like the sound of this. The law is a stern mistress and I... Now, don't go dragging ethics into this, Judge. The lady is a blackmailer, isn't she? Well, yes, if your side of the story is true. Don't you believe anything your client says? Now, Throckmorton. Well, if you do, you get that downtown and tell Del Rey's lawyer that you've got a defense and you're going to fight. But, Gildy, you'd have to be able to prove this. You'd have to have witnesses. For the last time, Judge, I am engaged to Eve Goodwin. Just leave the rest to me. All right, Gildy, I'll see what I can do. But let me ask just one thing. Does Eve know about this? Don't worry about Eve. Have you children finished your lunch? I want to talk to you I'm all done Marge didn't eat a thing She's thinking about her boyfriend She just wants to live on nothing but love 
That'll do, Leroy. Hello! Oh, shut up. Marjorie, where are you going? I don't care to sit here and be insulted by a drip. She wants to go someplace and let a drip make love to her. Leroy, Marjorie, wait a minute. I want to talk to you both about something important. Is it about being neat, picking up stuff? No, but have you... I'll do it right after lunch. More tapioca, Mr. Gilsey? No, thank you, Bertie. Uh, Bertie, uh, perhaps you'd better stay and listen to what I have to say to the children. Yes, sir. More tapioca, Leroy? No, thanks. Uh, shoot, Uncle, I gotta get going. So do I. All right. Now, uh, as you all know, I'm engaged to marry Miss Goodwin. What? Oh, my goodness. What did you say, Uncle Mort? I simply made a reference to my fiancé. Mr. Gilsey, you sure is a hard man to keep track of. <laughs> Let's not be silly about this. I told all of you last spring that I was engaged to Miss Eve Goodwin. Yes, sir, but it seems we ain't seen much of her recently. I thought she gave you the air. Nothing of the kind, Leroy. She's very devoted to me, as I am to her. Love! Leroy! Just kidding, Uncle. Yeah, well, cut it out. I want all of you to understand that I'm still engaged to Miss Goodwin. That I've been engaged to her all the time. Well, I don't know how it happened, but I think it's wonderful, Unky. I hope you'll be very happy. Huh? When are you going to get married? Oh, it's nothing like that. I mean, nothing immediate. This is too deep for me, Mr. Kilsley. Same here. Is you is or is you ain't engaged to Miss Goodwin? I am. If anybody should ask you, Leroy, you tell him so. I'll answer, Miss Gilsey. Gilsey, President. Oh, yes, Judge, just a minute. Judge Hooker's on the phone. Uh, thank you, Bertie. Hello, Judge. Uh, well, no, I haven't had a chance to see her yet. Well, I was going to do it just as soon... Oh, my goodness. You're right, I better do it before anybody else gets to her. Where's my hat? Holy smoke, what's the rush? Got to see my fiancé right away. What for? Got to tell her something. I mean, ask her something. Oh, pick up those skates, Leroy, before I get back here. <laughs> Old wind isn't what it used to be. Uh, hello, Eve. Can I, uh, can I come in for a moment? Oh, of course. Uh, 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 thanks. Well, what is it, Throckmorton? Is something wrong? No, I, uh, I just dropped in to pass the time of day. <laughs> you seem in a dreadful hurry. Won't you take your coat off? Uh, I think I'll, uh, uh just, uh, sit down a moment and, uh, get my breath back first. Oh, yes. For goodness sake. <laughs> Uh, nice day we're having. Yes, it is. Lovely. Uh, it was cloudy at first, but then cleared up. <laughs> yes, it's so good to see the sun again. Uh, it could still get cloudy again, but I don't think it will. <laughs> I hope not. Eve? Yes, Throckmorton? Nothing. Well, do take your overcoat off, Throckmorton. It might help you to breathe. Uh, unbutton your collar, too, if you like. Uh, no, I'm all right. I... I'll just sit here a minute. <laughs> uh, that new picture you got there over on the mantel? Oh, no. No, that picture's been there all the time. Uh, thought maybe it was new. Looks purpler. <laughs> Eve? Yes? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> is something on your mind, Throckmorton? No, no, really. I can tell. Come on, what is it? 
Honest, Eve, I just happened to be passing by, and I thought, well, I'll just drop in and see Eve a minute. Well, I'm glad you did. But uh, I have a parent-teacher's meeting very shortly, so if you have anything to tell me... Well, uh, you won't get sore. <laughs> Throckmorton, you're such a child. It seems just like old times. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, those were the days, hey, Eve. Uh, what do you say we get engaged again? Are you serious? Serious? This is a matter of life and death. <laughs> I thought it was sudden the first time. But this... It, somebody at the door. Oh, uh, yes, a friend is calling for me. I've got to go. No, wait. Wait, Eve. Uh, but my meeting, Throckmorton... Let her wait a second. Look, we could pretend our engagement has never been broken. We could pretend we've been engaged all the time. We just put off the wedding, that's all. Why not? Well, I can think of several reasons, but uh, one of them is that I have to go now. Oh, darn the Parent-Teacher Association. Wait. Throckmorton, please. Eve, this is mighty important. You don't understand. We wouldn't have to get married or anything. We wouldn't even be engaged, really. Well, what would be the point? Yeah. Well, I'll explain later. Will you do it? Will you, Eve? We'd only be pretending. How about it? I'm sorry, Throckmorton. That would be living a lie. Come in. Oh, nuts. Do you mind if I use your telephone, then? Not at all. Evie, darling, come along. We'll have to hurry if we're going to get to Coots Mill before sundown. <laughs> Be right there, just as soon as I get my things on. Oh, parent-teacher's meeting, eh? It happens that he's a parent and I'm a teacher. <laughs> Talk about living a lie. Hello, Judge. Gildersleeve, hold everything, Judge. It didn't work. Throckmorton, really? Don't ask me what happened, Judge. I got mixed up with the Parent Teachers Association. Now let's get back to our friend Gildersleeve. His refusal by Eve Goodwin has left him only one course to pursue. Before pursuing it, however, he comes home to take in a little nourishment. Now after supper, he calls in Leroy, Marjorie, and Bertie once more. Uh, uh... I, uh, didn't think I'd have to call another family conference so soon, children, uh, Bertie. But, uh, well, uh, something has come up that makes it necessary. Um, uh, I thought I told you to clean up the living room, Leroy. Those comic books? I'm reading them. What about the skates? You been skating in here? No, sir. Well, kindly remove all this junk at once. Yes, sir. Not now. Wait till I've finished. Yes, sir. Uh, in discussing my fiancé this afternoon, I, uh, made one slight mistake. It's not Eve Goodwin I'm engaged to. It's Mrs. Ransom. <laughs> oh, Anki! And he's the guy I got a bloody nose for. <laughs> What's going on anyway, Unc? There's nothing going on. Don't you remember that I was engaged to Mrs. Ransom some time ago? But that was ages ago. She's run through a whole husband since then. <laughs> It'll not be necessary to mention all the ins and outs of this affair, Bertie. Suffice it to say that Mrs. Ransom and I have been engaged for a long, long time. And we are now engaged. But this afternoon you were positive you were engaged to Miss Goodwin. Well, that was a slip of the tongue. If I said Eve Goodwin, I meant Leela Ransom, that's all. Ye gods, can't anybody make a mistake? Uncle Mort, has this anything to do with all that lawsuit and everything, Miss Del Rey? What makes you ask that, my dear? I smell a rat, that's all. <laughs> so do I. Why don't you come clean, Uncle, and then we'll play ball with you. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, come on, Unky. We're not dopes. There's something fishy about this. You better tell us or we might mess it up for you. Uh, well, uh, what it comes down to is this. If I was engaged to somebody else at the time, I was supposed to have asked Miss Del Rey to marry me. She has no case. Hey! 
pretty foxy. Yeah, there's nothing foxy about it. <laughs> it's a perfectly legitimate arrangement, Leroy. Naturally, I thought first of basing my case on, well, on my most recent fiance, Miss Goodwin. But uh, some reason she refused to be a party to it. Nice, that's strange. I would have thought she'd snap at you, Mr. Gilsey. She did. She almost bit my head off, Bertie. <laughs> anyway, I've decided to base my case on Mrs. Ransom. Have you spoken to her yet, Unky? No, but there won't be any trouble there. You better be careful. What if she should turn you down? Well, I thought I'd go over and see her this evening. Maybe I ought to take a few precautions now. Don't take her no precautions, Mr. Gilsey. Take her present. Yeah. Bertie's right, Unky. Flowers or candy or something. Oh, maybe some of the chocolates she used to like. Women are sentimental, I guess. Oh, darling, I've missed you so. <laughs> Leroy, I think you've taken enough chances for today. Now shut up. <laughs> yes, sir. How about a ring, Uncle Mort? A ring? Oh, yes, I mustn't forget the ring. I've still got it, too, upstairs with my cufflinks. Oh, and another thing. I wonder. Can't tell how women are going to react. What is it? Well, <laughs> the first time I ever called on her, I wore my air raid helmet. Maybe if I wore it again, by George, I will. She's always remembered that. Bertie, where is my helmet? Do you know? No, I don't, Miss Gilsey. I remember Marge grew some ivy in it once. That was a long time ago. You were keeping guppies in it for a while. Guppies? Leroy, that helmet is government property. Well, if you weren't using it... I might have needed it any moment. You find that helmet, Leroy, you'll need a helmet in a certain place. It wouldn't fit there. Get the helmet. (laughs) I... Yes, yes. Well, what do you think, Marjorie, with the ring and the candy and the helmet? You'll do all right, Uncle Mort, if you'll be nice. Oh, I'll be diplomatic. You're the man who can do it. Oh, thank you, Bertie. Here's your helmet, Unc. Yeah. Is it clean, Leroy? Sure it's clean. Gosh, guppies are just about the cleanest fish there is. (laughs) That's the first portion of The Great Gildersleeve. We'll get back to that in just a few minutes. Let's take a break, Lisa, and then we'll be right back. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Before we get back to the great Gildersleeve, I thought we'd talk about our Facebook page. Yes, we have a Facebook page, Hollywood 360 Radio. It is the best. Are our faces on there? Yes, they are. Your face and my face. it's a Facebook page. So that's how it works. You put faces on it. Really? Yeah, just yours, mine, and You're on there a lot. I have a lot of faces. Yeah. The the three faces of Lisa. The nine faces of Eve or something. Yeah, three faces of Eve. So um, that is the best way to communicate with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to hear what you'd like to hear. Right. Well, can't people just come and knock on your door and communicate with you? They could. They could bang on the window. They could, you know, walk by. Or they could send us a uh, post on Facebook, whatever they like to do. Lisa lives in Borneo, though, so it would be tough to go there. Where is that? Borneo. I've never heard of that. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's where you live. Okay. Okay. Is that in space somewhere? No. Okay. It's on Earth. It's on Earth. It's very far away. <laughs> to the moon. To the moon, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have something you'd like to hear or you have comments, suggestions, questions, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can send us a message on Facebook. You can post on Facebook. Of course, like us on Facebook. Hollywood mm-hmm. 360 Radio. All right. In our next hour, Lisa, we're going to conclude 
the great Gildersleeve starring Hal Perry. Then we're going to tune into The Hermit's Cave, a very scary radio show here on Hollywood 360. So stick around. Lisa and I and Mike Costello will be back on the next edition of Hollywood 360.